Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. In Mark chapter two, we'll read two passages of scripture to get us started today. Mark chapter two, verses one through five. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Probably the best words you're ever gonna hear spoken. Thy sins be forgiven thee. In Acts chapter 12, verses nine through 11, I'll give you a little bit of a teaser as to where we're going with this whole pathway out of prison concept. Acts 9, I'm sorry, 12 in verse 9 says, he went out and followed him, and this is where Peter is in prison, and James had already been killed, and an angel shows up to help Peter get out of prison, if you remember this story. It says that he followed him, Peter follows the angel, and he wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Couldn't even believe that he was being set free. When they were past the first and the second ward, They came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. On one hand, we have Jesus looking at a man sick of palsy, saying, Your sins are forgiven. And in another story in Acts chapter 12, we have one of the apostles that had been incarcerated and he was being set free. Can I just start with one thesis statement and then we're gonna pray just for a moment. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are in prison. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news but you are incarcerated and bound by something that you need to be set free from. Can you bow your head just for a moment and would you just pray with me and ask the Lord to minister to our souls in a deep manner this morning. Lord Jesus, we need you in this house right now, Lord. Lord, I want you to massage my heart. I want you to check my spirit. I want you to set me straight, Lord, and I want you to inspire me and strengthen me and empower me to do what I already know is the right thing, Lord. I just need to push over the edge this morning, Lord. I don't wanna harbor unforgiveness, but I wanna be like you, Lord, and I wanna forgive from the depths of my soul. Jesus' name in Jesus' name. Elbow your neighbor in the ribs and say, you better be forgiven. I love forgiveness when God is forgiving. Psalm chapter 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah chapter one and verse 18 says, come now, 
Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Can somebody just say, thank you, Jesus, for washing me clean. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Isaiah says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. His mercy is everlasting. It's his mercies are new every morning. Can you say, thank you, Jesus. Another couple of verses in Psalm 103 says, he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Let me tell you, when you bury your face in your hands and you say, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, those words are not falling on deaf ears. When you decide to turn away from your sin and turn to him and be buried with baptism like we try to do as frequently as possible, it's more than just getting wet. It's more than just a ceremony. Your sins are washed from your soul. You are no longer responsible for those things that are under the blood. When you call the name of Jesus, over someone in baptism. You are burying the old men that they were and when they rise up out of that water, again, they're not just covered by H2O, they're covered by the blood of the lamb. And they rise to walk in newness of life. I don't know about you, maybe just the Lord has been moving on me, Sister Rathford. I'm so glad to be forgiven of my sin. You wouldn't like me if I wasn't forgiven. I would be miserable if I still had those stains. But thanks be to God that he's washed me clean. I'm so glad for his forgiveness this morning. I'm so glad. Daniel chapter nine and verse nine says, to the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. I did just a cursory search of all the passages where it talks about the mercy of God and forgiveness. It's like when you really start getting hungry to learn about forgiveness, the verses just come out of the woodwork. It's like, Announcing at work that there's cake in the break room. We got cake. You got 15 people in your company and you send an email about cake and 37 people show up with paper plates in their hands. You start wondering about whether or not you're forgiven and the scripture says, nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious God. Ezekiel says, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I want to read that again. Say unto them, prophet, as I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? I just know in the Holy Ghost that there's some folks that brought some burdens through those doors today. There's some folks that barely got out of bed and, and just drugged themselves to the church because you felt like you weren't worthy, because you felt like you had things in your life that would disqualify you from worshiping God. Let me just tell you, look to the north, look to the south and the east and the west. This room is full of people that are not qualified to receive the love of God. This room is full of people that have made mistakes and that have fallen, that have committed crimes, that carry burdens and that have 
just dire things that have happened in their life. But it is not about whether or not we qualify for his forgiveness. It is not about cleaning ourselves up so that we can come to worship him. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when you come into the house of the Lord in unity, knowing you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Let's just do this thing together. Can I wrap my arm around your shoulder? Can you pray for me? I'll pray for you. Let me just tell you, there's forgiveness in the house. There is remission in the house. There is redemption in the house. But I've learned that there might be a richer part of forgiveness than even God's forgiveness. Brother Max talking heresy this morning. I'm just toying with this. I'm just spelunking. Anybody know what spelunking is? Right, that's when you go like digging around in the caves on your elbows and your knees. I think I might have overheard Sister Mac talking about how she wants to take the middle school class spelunking again every year, just for old time's sake, because that's not chaotic. Dragging a bunch of middle schoolers through the cave. Spelunking is the hobby or practice of exploring unknown things within cave. It's actually a Latin term. Everybody look over to your neighbor and say, we're learning Latin today. Look over to your other neighbor and say, hey, we're learning Latin, so I think you could say things are getting pretty serious. We're gonna spelunk in on this concept. We're just gonna noodle around just a little bit. Because I love to preach about forgiveness. I love to shout about it, and, and it doesn't take long to get excited about it. But really, the concept of forgiveness is kind of out of my reach. I could write scholarly paper about it all day long. I could cite verses, I could cite authors, we can talk about it, but it's in my mind, maybe I'm just the only one, but it's a little abstract. It's kind of hard to just really reach out and grab, it's, it's kind of academic. To really grasp it, it takes almost some artistic thought. Because you're just trying to capture something big that's out there and bring it into your present day world. You know what it really takes? It takes faith. That's kind of what faith is a little bit. You know, it's a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. One of the finest definitions of faith I ever heard was faith is the personal intimate knowledge of the person, identity, and plan of the Lord Jesus Christ that enables you to know his plan for your life so you can act in harmony with it. It's a lot of words, but you know what it really means? He's God, I'm not, and I'm getting on your train. That's really what it means. To think about true forgiveness, you're trying to connect a world where I'm riding around in this meat vehicle with ideas like absolute, like purer than pure, which is one of God's attributes. Immutable, which means never changing. Omniscient, which means knowing everything. That's hard to even, like we pretend that we know stuff. <laughs> Sovereign, reigning over all. We don't even really, we think we know what that means, but we really haven't seen it demonstrated in our reality. Omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, 
all present or omnipresent means everywhere all the time. It's like Keith Kendrick on the pickleball court. <laughs> I'll put the ball over there. He's, not, he's there. Makes me want to throat punch him. Eternal. No beginning, no ending. It's kind of easy to grasp everlasting because we had a beginning and we have no end. One way or the other, you're gonna last forever somewhere. But to have no beginning, you almost gotta be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs to even think that you understand that. And, and love. Like we, we have an idea of love, but not absolute love, not immutable love, not omniscient love, not sovereign love, not omnipresent love. It's hard to even get to. And I'm usually late to the party. Pastor Lopez, please don't make jokes about that. So it doesn't shock me that it took me 37 years to come to grips with what I think, at least for me, is the richest part of forgiveness. And it's something that I now call Christian reality. And it is centered on forgiveness. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but the Lord has been shredding my spirit about this. You wanna hear some verses that are hard to take if you're carnal? No, talk about everlasting mercy again. Matthew chapter five, you have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow, turn not away. Anybody like apples? How do you like these apples? Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. How do you like that? Hate your brother? Psalm 103 doesn't work for you anymore. Hate your brother? You never needed Isaiah 53 more. If a man say in 1 John chapter four, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, <clears throat> he's a liar. For he that loveth, his, loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? I, I don't know, like, take it or leave it. This is my new Christian reality. If I can't forgive I might as well hang it up. It's hard. You know why? Because I think there might be a little flicker of hatred in my heart sometimes. Shouldn't be so. If you ever doubted whether or not the word of God was divinely inspired, let these things like remove all doubt. Man wouldn't write this. There's no wiggle room here. There's no stunt double that can just step in and take, it, take the heat for you. You're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to own up to God has freely forgiven us. Next step, 
you better freely forgive everyone else. I mentioned Brother Williams and, and Brother Dugas earlier. Brother, Brother Williams wrote these words and, and shared them with me. I mean, let's be honest, Sister Williams probably wrote it. <laughs> and he's out here trying to take credit for it. I spoke at length with Brother Williams and Brother Dugas about forgiveness. Because I thought, man, am I just the only, am I just the only one out here that deals with this stuff. Brother Williams wrote this. People who have hurt me, these are categories of forgiveness, okay? People who have hurt me and still have not asked for forgiveness. People who don't ask for forgiveness because they think I'm the one who is wrong. People who refuse to believe that they did anything wrong. People I refuse to forgive because my need for justice is just too strong. That's a good one right there, Brother Williams. Sister Williams. That's a good one. Here's another category. People who I will not forgive because they abused my grace. You'll be writing books, Brother Williams. People who don't even realize they hurt me. People who hurt me over and over no matter how many times I've forgiven them. People who I've had a conflict with for years, I no longer have a life with them. There's one last thing Brother Williams said that he tells his family. He says, don't let your grudges become garages where you harbor things. Don't hoard unforgiveness is my paraphrase to Brother Williams. You know is the spirit talking to you like it's kind of trying to, I almost feel schizophrenic in a way because I'm talking and the Lord is like, yeah, yeah, don't forget that one thing. Like I almost want to make notes. Is the Lord talking to you right now? Do you have some folks you might need to forgive? Come on, as hard as it is, don't you think that there are some folks you probably need to forgive a little bit? Brother Dugas shared this book with me. I would actually recommend, let's do a run on Amazon right now. It's John Mason, it's called the impossible is possible. It's, it's fantastic, this writer. Here are some things that, that he says about forgiveness. Life is an adventure in forgiveness. He says, never carry a grudge while you're straining under its weight. Get this, the person with whom you're mad at is actually out there producing. Sometimes they're oblivious. You might hate them so much that you grind your teeth. They, they, don't, they might not even know, or they've just forgotten. And maybe that's why you're mad at them. The only people you should try to get even with are those that have helped you. Great amounts of brain power are used up when you ponder a negative situation and plot how to get even. When faced with the need to forgive and forget, never make this excuse, but you don't know what they did to me. You're right. And it might be unforgivable. But if we've been forgiven. I'm not saying you gotta like them. Uh, not at all. You think Jesus likes sin? 
He loves, you've heard it said, he loves the sinner. You're not endorsing someone's lifestyle or endorsing the infraction or endorsing the offense if you forgive them. You're not erasing history, it happened. It's terrible. But if you wanna get close to the nature of God, the word hallelujah might not be the word to get you there. But the words, I forgive you, remember that one time when he goes, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I got this little note thing here because I went in full dork mode when I remembered this quote. This was so 1980s. But I have these index cards and, and uh, when books are meaningful to me, I just kind of like consume them and make a bunch of notes. But that's from a, a book you ought to get to. It's called Rumsfeld's Rules. Donald Rumsfeld, the former uh, United States Secretary of Defense, he says so many great axioms in that book, but he says this one. It's easier to get into something than it is to get out. Sometimes you just fall into things. You get caught up in them so fast, like a mosquito caught in prehistoric amber. You just, you're just buzzing along, hanging out with the stegosauruses. You're not doing anything wrong, and all of a sudden, click, you're just frozen in time. Maybe that doesn't relate much to folks in this room, so I'll try to give you a little more modern one. Sometimes, you're just buzzing along and you get caught up on a piece of flypaper like what you see at the kitchen at Denny's. <laughs> you didn't do anything wrong. You're just going about your nature and all of a sudden you're stuck in something. The AV team has a slide to show you it's not of the flypaper. Pastor was like, we blew it today. So, man, that gives me cold chills a little bit. So back in the day, I was uh, in the Air National Guard. I was an F-16 crew chief. That's an F-16. For any of you who think that's anything to do with Top Gun, you're not even in the right military service, so forget it. People. So the big, the big tank looking things, those are fuel tanks there. But there's another screen, there's another slide they'll show you. So during the Vietnam era, they used to put these things on, on F-4 Phantoms and it was a big jet aircraft and they would, uh, they were, they're napalms actually. So they would fill it with this chemical and uh, they would drop it and it would just like, whew, it was... I mean, honestly, it was kind of like hell on earth. It was just like, it was just ripped through everything. And so after the Vietnam era was over, they had all these napalm shells, so they cleaned them out, and now they use it for luggage. <laughs> uh, next slide. And so you see a pilot there, and he's loading luggage into one of those things. They're called travel pods now. So see, God can change your destiny if you'll let him use you. Just be a vessel, just let him use you. <laughs> let him use you. And one time, there were eight pilots and eight planes from our base that were heading out to Utah 
to participate in like the Air Force's version of Top Gun School. And this guy and I, I'll just, I won't even say his name, I'll just call him Staff Sergeant to protect his identity. <clears throat> you know, this is coming good if I had to protect somebody's identity. It was our job to load these things onto the planes because they're not on there all the time. And so we have this big cart and we wheel it up under the plane and we crank it up. And I don't know if you saw on the last slide, don't switch back, but there are these hooks and you put the hooks in the right place. You put these bolts in and then you do something called safety wiring. So you put the wire through the, the bolt, long story. It, it basically prevents the bolt from loosening while in flight. We, it was our job, it's that, that's it. It was just that easy, like nothing more complicated. Raise them, bolt them, wire them, move on. We got all seven planes launched, and uh, it was our job to kind of plug into the plane and go around and check things while the pilot's moving and the jet's running and all that kind of stuff. And so eighth plane is still sitting there, and all of a sudden, about 10 minutes after all the other planes took off, this pilot comes running down the flight line. He's got his bag with him, and his golf clubs are on his shoulder, and he's just running, he's running late, and he's like, I'm so sorry, guys, I'm so sorry I'm running late. We're gonna have to do a fast start, meaning like an abbreviated launch sequence, so he loads up his stuff in the travel pod, he battens it up, we put him in, we go through our whole process. The next slide might show you what happens next. He has to rendezvous with the other seven planes somewhere over Missouri to refuel. If he misses that refuel, he's gonna have to land, refuel, now he's gonna be a day late. So he takes it to the end of the runway, drops the hammer. They don't use afterburner on takeoff, you don't need it. He puts on full afterburner, which is that 12 foot long flame spray coming out of there. That's because, you know, as if 40,000 pounds of thrust isn't enough, we'll throw you some atomized fuel in the exhaust and make it faster. He blasts that thing up. He had to climb as fast as he could to get to a certain height because of city ordinances won't allow you to break the sound barrier unless you're at a certain altitude. He wouldn't be able to rendezvous with the refuel plane on time if he didn't break the sound barrier, so he just went like, it was SpaceX, hammer down. Everything's good, okay, finally, let's go to lunch, we got them all launched. 90 minutes later, flight supervisor comes over. Hey, uh, did you guys install those travel pods correctly? Yeah. Did you have your technical manual out? Were you reading the steps? Well, like, no, but like we never do, and there's three steps. <laughs> okay, I need you to put all that in writing. <laughs> Come to find out, because he hit it so hard trying to rendezvous, his travel pod flew off in flight. He makes his rendezvous point, and the boom operator in the KC-135, which is the aerial refueling plane, says, oh, you didn't have a travel pod? And he's thinking, you know, the pilot's thinking, my golf clubs! <laughs> so this other staff sergeant and I went through like the rest of the day being interrogated and debriefed and putting in writing. We did everything right. 60 days later, a farmer calls the base. <laughs> hey, I... Think you flyboys lost something. <laughs> 20 foot crater in the middle of his cornfield. Thank heavens it didn't hit. You name it. Sometimes life is just life 
and you're doing everything that you know to do, just like, like batten down the hatches, dot the I's, cross the T's, and you get T-boned by something. He didn't mean to, but it did, and it cost us. And, and, and we did everything right, and it was documented, but now our reputation is marred. And, and it's like, we, how do we even, we can't just go to the newspaper and say, uh, he was late because he was doing whatever. It's just, it's complicated. Forgiveness is hard, man. It would be, it would be different if I just owed you $7, I'll just cash app you, whatever. It's hard. Man, sometimes it's like, it's woven in, and it's interconnected, and it's not easy. There's another slide, and we're hastening on quickly. This is a special beast. This is Boris. As you can see, he's settled in just fine. You can show the next slide. He, he was at the state fair last year. Largest, largest hog. 1,100 pounds. Big boy. Boris was minding his own business at the state fair, and I was admiring Boris. The biggest hog, I mean, I don't know where you're from, but like, that's in like the top... That's bucket list. <laughs> and biologically speaking, they're not the uh, most sanitary animals. And you know, you don't get to be 1130 pounds by intermittent fasting, I just tell you. <laughs> and to cut to the chase, there's, there's lots of other funny things about this. I'm just taking pictures, this actually comes from my Instagram. I, I was admiring him so much, I posted on Instagram about him. And Boris is laying there and he must have, the, the, his bio, which he has a bio, and he likes to hang out with cows sometimes. And I, I just don't know how to break it to the owners, but I think it's possible that Boris is lactose intolerant. <laughs> because he's laying there and he's just doing his thing and he had probably just finished lunch and, and I'm just admiring him and I'm probably a little bit too close. And, and then there was this biological event that happened. <laughs> and, and right as it happened, right as it happened, he flipped his tail and I was standing there, and from basically the top of my head, barely missing my eye, barely missing the corner of my mouth, and then down my shirt. A friend at work the other day says, man, I've never noticed that before. Is that a scar? Is that a... Birthmark, it's a stain, bro. It's a stain. It's working its way out. Sometimes stuff just happens to us, guys. Okay, haha, funny pig story, right? Man, sometimes you didn't even do anything wrong, but you were scarred big time. Others, maybe they knew it 
Maybe they didn't. Maybe they did it multiple times. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe they took advantage of you financially. Maybe they said something bad about you that hurt your feelings. Maybe, maybe it was just a blow up at a family reunion. Lots and lots and lots of things can happen in our lives. It's, it's why we have to sometimes insert humor because it's heavy. It's, it's heavy. There's this statistic out there. There's about 10 different blogs and it says that the Federal Bureau of Standards says that fog that covers seven city blocks and 100 feet deep basically comes from the amount of, the amount of water in a, in a bottle. Wow. Now that's a bit much. I did a little research. Wow. I, think it's, I think it's a lot, but I did find out that a bottle of water can cover an acre seven feet deep. It's about three Calvary Tabernacle sanctuaries from just one little thing. Regular part of life, one of life's elements. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, offenses must come. It's a necessary part of your Christian reality. You know, you could roll this bottle down the aisle and it wouldn't take but a few moments, you could lose this bottle in a crowd this size. Don't even know where it's at, all of a sudden it comes up over there, yeah, that's just how you know, offenses work and that's how unforgiveness works. You could have it hidden away in your purse. You could have it tucked away. It could just be, you know, stored in a cool, dark place, maybe saving it for later. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a little something happens, a little something occurs and now there's a little bit of fog here. And, and you know, it's not just about the one-on-one. It's not just about the two people that get hung up in this. It affects the entire body. Because Brother Hauk and I may have a little bit of a problem together and we might have, we might have had a little bit of mist hit, hit one another one time and we're just like, oh yeah, now we're, now we're connected in that fog and now, there's, now our problem is we're not gonna ever forget that and it's there and now we've gotta try to struggle back with forgiveness but the problem is, is you know, Brother Fridley didn't do anything wrong to me. The last time I had an interaction with Brother Hauk and there was some unforgiveness. It's like, I don't want that to happen again. So now my unforgiveness and my problem, because I haven't got that cleared up, I don't trust him, because he might hurt me too. And now all of a sudden, you got this person, that person, next thing you know, it's just like, there's just like mist, just like going up everywhere, and it gets murky, and it gets dark, and you know, I didn't, I wanted to be right, I wanted to live for God, I wanted to just be a part of the body. I came to church for answers, and now I'm finding all these problems. It can just happen that way. It can just be all-consuming. Let me just tell you, it's almost midnight. And we don't really have time. We don't have time to, to, we don't have time to, I know it happens, yes, but man, there, I just heard a podcast Brother Bernard did just the other day where he says that someone actually told him these words, I'd rather go to hell than forgive this person. Let me just beg you right now. You don't want that. You don't want to miss heaven over something. I know it can be a major infraction. I know it can be a major sin. I know it can be a major problem, but nothing is worth missing heaven over. Nothing is worth not being ready when the trumpet sounds. Nothing is worth standing in the way of you and the Lord Jesus. If you got something on your heart, forgive. I know it's not easy. We're not gonna be able to get to it for the sake of time, but if you'll read Acts chapter 12, you're gonna find that there are several things that happen 
as, and I'll just leave you with this because we're gonna close in two minutes. The Bible says these words, and behold, an angel came unto him. There are things that happen. We're not gonna get to our props. There are things that happen where he says, put on your garment, put on your shoes, and those things all mean something. When you see the word behold in the Bible, this is what it means. It's more than just, hey, check it out. It's more than just, hey, look at this. It's look at the process that follows and discern life's principles. You look at that when you get a chance. Let me just tell you, I'm no angel, but maybe the Lord has sent a messenger to you today. I was in Worcester, Massachusetts, 2010, on the campus of Worcester Polytechnical Institute just doing a sales call, and I saw a guy, it was a FedEx guy, he had a package in his arms. And this is back in the day when they guaranteed next day delivery by noon. And when I tell you that he was running like his life depend, it was 11.58, and he was just flying. And I'm like, hey, what's the big deal, bro? It's only a couple of minutes. As heaven is my witness, the Lord spoke to my spirit in 2010 and said, but if you're late, you're late. Can I say, it's almost midnight. Maybe we need a renewed passion of forgiveness. It's hard, but you gotta do it. Could you stand with me? Close your eyes just for a moment. Lord, please talk to us right now. Minister to our spirits in this place. No doubt things have flashed before our eyes. You've nudged us in a way, Lord. We don't wanna let unforgiveness keep us back from a life that is deep in your presence. And most importantly, we don't wanna, we don't wanna be not ready when you come. Could you lift your hands just for a moment? Just open your spirit to him. Talk to us right now, Lord Jesus. Talk to us right now, Lord Jesus. That's it, that's it. Help us, Jesus, help us, Jesus.